You're listening to. And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. And hey everyone, welcome to episode 113 of the Collab Cast. I'm Marvin. I'm Minji. And we are your hosts for this weekly look at pop culture and Asian American lifestyle and culture and all the things. And redundancy. It's um, Friday, March the, what's the, 31st, the last day of March 2017. Um, We are here with a very special guest today. He is uh, one member of the Legendary Quest crew. Champions of America's Best Dance Crew and photographer extraordinaire as well. The finest beard. The finest in all the land. (laughs) Mr. Ryan Fang, how's it going? What's up, guys? How have you been, man? Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm so happy you guys are doing this. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. We just spent like half an hour talking about Disney. So I don't know if we still want to talk know, about that I'm, again. And now I'm Instagramming, so excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> Come on, be present. This is our podcast. You're but... Instagramming while I'm trying to podcast with you? We are podcasting. I'm Instagramming you. Oh, okay. which is no, that's to, okay like, then. Honor. Exactly. Tag He's me. like, go for it. <laughs> we had a very um we got a very, very nice fan mail this past week. We did. I'm still like floating because of that. So we, we do accept fan mail. So if you want to talk to us, uh, we do read it and it does make us feel really, really good. Um, our email is podcast at collaboration.org. Please send more. What yes. was so good about it? It was just, um, it's always weird to know that people actually listen. Like there was, Which there was, a lot of people there were a couple do. people we, in Austin that actually told us that, oh, I recognize your voice from the podcast. People have been coming up to us and like saying like, oh, I love your podcast. And I just like binge listen to you. And it's amazing because it's like friends, our friends we know listen mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and tune in. But it's it's different when like complete strangers are like, you help me. Like you're my voice, woman. Like this, that's what the the one yesterday. <laughs> I need to write back. And you should write back. I am. I mean, gonna awesome. Part of the today. reason why we do this podcast is the collaboration is very. It's very live event focused. So our mm-hmm. reach is a little limited by the reach of the live event. But mm-hmm. by doing digital things like videos and podcasts like this, we were able to take our you know take our production expertise and you know, broadcast our voice to places where we might not usually reach like it's a chinese american woman from vermont yeah and oh, she's wow. like our age she's in her early 30s and mm-hmm. she's just like it's it means so much to me to like hear you guys talk about your parents and like it's funny when minji goes off and marvin like tries to change the subject like she's just <laughs> like really enthusiastic she gets us she gets us she relates and she appreciates yeah she appreciates that we're, that we bring in guests and like talk about all these different things because like we know there's not that much of this discussion like I am so excited because, right, I have so many things we have so many yeah. things to talk about. But that discussion doesn't happen that much, you know, in podcast format or on radio. Or That's true. We're kind of in a little bubble here in L.A. I didn't right. really realize that. I mean, I knew, but I think you brought it to the forefront of my brain. So Yeah. But yeah, we burst about, in that bubble. Enough about us. No, uh, thank you to Weiwei, right? Thank you. Yeah, thank you uh, for writing. Um, that was, we, it was we hilarious. Really You're a really it. funny writer, too. Um, <laughs> but enough about us. Do you get fan mail? Yeah. Uh, kind of, 
Yeah. Is yeah, it, kind of. Is it mainly social media? Now it is. Yeah. So before we used to have a studio that we practiced out of regularly, and everyone knew it. So and it was like a public place. Okay. So the address is online, and everything. So we get mailed there. Oh. And that was nice. And it was. It's usually like art. Yeah. Or I saw, like I see those the cartoons. Yeah, and and, and and it's awesome because all the letters were handwritten. <sighs> so it's like lovely. You know. It feels more authentic when it's handwritten. Yeah, it's so yeah. personal. It's a lost art, by the way. Now it's just comments on your Instagram. I want to get the point I where people send us care packages or like things. I know, so we have to talk right? about all things yeah. we like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about more things that people can do for us. Speaking of which, I have a box of produce. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk more to Ryan about his um, career as a multimedia creator. Um, Internet multi-hyphenate. My multi-hyphenate is that the way? Multi-hyphenate. Multi-hyphenate. Mm-hmm. Or I just, I just tell people that multidisciplinary. It's a content creator. Yeah, because exactly. that's just that's just a new that's, millennial thing. But that then sounds, that sounds boring. Does it? Does that multi in it? Multi means a multi. lot. Content creator is accurate, but yeah, I want it to like for you for you what you guys actually do. I want to like hyperinflate it a little bit more. It's not hyperinflated. You know what we used to call like, that is content creator Renaissance man. That sounds better because multi. Okay, so here's the problem with multi hyphenate is that when you talk to like people that are younger, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything. Multi hyphenate, don't know. Yeah. They don't know what one is to another. Too many syllables. Right? But True. and then True. if you try to use that as a title instead of a way to explain to someone that's older than us, mm-hmm. then it's like so you can do a bunch of stuff, but you're not good at anything. See, so that's you're a run- generational problem, yeah. exactly. Right? But I mean, that's just words, right? So it's content creator. It's a singular thing. Whereas a multi-hyphenate, you're multiple things. That's true. I used to refer to myself as a jack of all trades, and apparently that's not a good thing. That's no, not it's a not a good thing. thing. That's the first half of an insult. <laughs> well, screw you all. <laughs> yeah. So. Taking that off. We're <laughs> no longer calling yourself that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Right, we'll talk more with Ryan about his... Um, content creation. Content creation <laughs> after the break. But every week we start out with a roundtable discussion about what's on our minds in the world of pop culture and Asian-American culture. Let's start with Minji. What's on your mind? Two things, and I, I, I don't know which one you guys have paid attention to, so we'll, we'll go with whatever sticks. Mm-hmm. One was the Crazy Rich Asians casting. Oh, that's cast mine. In, oh sorry. Mine. I apologize. Can you take it? Um, <laughs> the other thing is that Ghost in a Shell. Oh, my apologize. Um, I'm busy. <laughs> uh, but Ghost in a Shell, in the Shell, in a Shell. In the Shell. Whatever. Um, Ghost in the Shell premieres today, because today is Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple friends have already watched it. Mm-hmm. I watched the first five minutes, because they were they released the first five minutes uh-huh. mm-hmm. to like engage folks. Right. Um, I was reading a lot of tweets last night about people who want to go watch the advanced screenings. The right, screenings. right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I, I got. I was like, I shouldn't be looking at this. It's going to stress me out right before I go to sleep. <laughs> it's part of my meditation practice. I stresses you out. There's a little, yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um just from the first five minutes that I saw, it just sits weird. Like, it's so... And then she she can't even use the name of the character. She just calls herself the Major. Is that how it goes in the comic book? I have questions about this no. as well. Um, her name is Matoko Kusanagi in... Right, yeah, in the Major thing. Matoko, yeah. right. But in the movie, she's just the, the major, major because they can't point out that she's not... not well, <laughs> spoilers, that's part of... like That's a major plot point. Oh, and okay. I don't know how much people want to be spoiled. Like, basically, our friends spoiled the whole thing because it's kind of dumb, the story. Um, here, just, here, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Turn out well, okay. the next, like, Avert five minutes or so. I mean, in general, <laughs> yeah. what I was seeing, and this, this, this movie's been getting, like, just raked over the coals over 
basically every single outlet except for Variety, who like the guy loved it. Hmm. But um, basically, Ghost in the Shell was originally a manga turned into an anime movie. Have mm-hmm. you seen it? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I watched it in like '96. Or yeah, something. it was like one of the first anime movies. Yeah. Anime movies. That's amazing. I watched. Uh, we rented from Blockbuster. Yeah, it, it was. was like, it was pre-Matrix. Yeah, that's what it was. What really? inspired mm-hmm. the Matrix? Yeah, was because that Matrix movie. was influenced from that movie. Those Shut those up. aesthetics and mm-hmm. those like kind of the, the action scenes. Very sci-fi, right? The original story was about like post-humanism, like kind of mm-hmm. when AI gets developed to the point where it develops consciousness, like, which is like what we're on track for right now. Mm-hmm. No, we're not there yet, but I know, but I'm saying we're on. Like, what does humanity mean? <laughs> um, and what does it mean to be human? And things like that. Whereas apparently, this story is more based on the main, the main character's major search for her own identity. So instead of like That's a like Blade story, Runner. yeah, instead of well, instead of a. Is that what Blade Runner was about? I didn't watch part of it. Part okay. of it. Instead of a um, a like I don't know what's a good bicentennial man is yeah. a terrible example, but similar themes. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, am I a real person? Who was I really? Mm-hmm. And conspiracy, like, oh, they lied to me. Mm-hmm. All the great parts about the, the narrative, like the philosophical questions, gets just super dumbed down. Yeah, that's what I heard. There's a lot of explaining, and it felt that like, in the first five minutes too. It just it felt. It felt like there. I don't know why, because the first five minutes, not the rest of the movie, which it was confirmed in everyone else's critiques. But in the first five minutes, I just felt like, so you think your audience is stupid? Like that's how I felt. Like they're they're, like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. what I was irritated with, and I'm just going to put this out there, was in the first five minutes, which everyone has liberty to watch online. Um, it's it's first of all, ScarJo problematic, but. Um, there were Japanese characters that were all just killed <laughs> and mm. don't have a voice. They don't speak. And they always have like, so the first opening scene besides her is like a white guy and a black guy talking. They're dressed in kimonos and they're they're having like this fancy high tech high rise dinner. And they're and they're speaking English really slowly. I'm like, if English is your language, just like speak normally, first of all. Why are you talking like you're a Japanese person who doesn't know English? I, there was a little bit of that, which was irritating. And on second, like, yeah, it's just it kind of continues on, and like the the Asian characters are completely just background. Mm-hmm. And I and it bothers me that they I, they put like I know that they keep trying to highlight Japanese names in the in the cast, <laughs> but you know that they don't they play put them in any, the front. Yeah, they're like starring. Like it's not starring them. Like, yeah. they, well, they, all they have is like Beat Takeshi, and apparently he's just like super Beat Takeshi. You know, I don't even know what that means. He's an actor. He was. Um, have you seen Battle Royale? Yes. No. He was yeah, the know. principal. I apologize. The oh, have you okay. Seen, yes, 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 yes. Um, I saw clips of it. Have you seen Brother? What's Brother? Aniki, like the. I've seen that. Like yeah, like you Japanese. Yes. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So that was what was. I don't know if it was disappointing, but for me. I was I had some anxiety because like I, obviously I really liked the original um, source material and if it wasn't for I, I was telling myself if it wasn't for the casting I would totally watch the shit out of that movie mm-hmm. but knowing that they also ruined the, I still want to watch central it conceit it's of the a, movie it's the like, same thing as as the Great Wall I don't want to pay to watch it but I want to watch it because I want to know yeah because that first is, five yeah. minutes again like I just had a inkling right I'm not yeah. I haven't watched the rest of I don't know how long it is <laughs> but um. Like, but that's the thing. Like the original source material, I know has a lot of interesting things to say about technology, yeah, and artificial intelligence, and like humanity's future, and 
to know that that stuff is totally dumbed down. Do you have super a problem with it? Do you have an issue here's, with Scarjo? Here's my thing about the whole ghost in the ha- ghost in the show. I keep ghost saying half show. I, I say half show a lot because <laughs> that's just my favorite. Yeah. Um, okay. Did you watch the Michael Bay version? Yeah. <laughs> but okay, let's just talk about this first. So here's my thing. Um, I do understand the issue about Asian representation and the problem of if there are not enough roles for Asian leads, when there's an opportunity, the chance to seize it within the Asian community is very, like, passionate. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there aren't that many out there, so when we can, can we please, is basically our yeah. mantra yeah. with it, right? Yeah. So I understand that the, why that's an issue and why a lot of the Asian community entertainers and artists feel the way they do. But past that, okay, I, I'm letting you know I'm aware of that. Past that, none of it bothers me because largely the problems with like the story point of like, you know, searching for consciousness and what is it to be a person and what is it to be a constant, um, a, um, what's the word? I can't think of it. A like, sentient being. Yeah. Like right? okay. self-awareness. Like, right. Yeah. What does it mean to live? That sounds like a problem whenever they try to make a mo- book into a movie. Mm. So yeah. Girl with the Dragon Act 2, um, Gone Girl, Memoirs of a Geisha. There's so much personal narrative that doesn't get put out in the movie. Yeah. Because it's two hours. They got to make it an action movie. Yeah. Because um, I think it's... My, my, what's the movie? Makshinama? Um, recently. Ex Machina? Yeah, Ex Machina. That yeah. movie. Okay, so that it. explores that I point. That. To that, the, that, that, that is, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Simple. It's not going to make as much money as Ghost in the Shell. Right. Because it's Scarlett Joe and she's hot and we're doing an action movie. Right. right. So they, so as a studio, they made the decision, we're going to make money. So if you're going to make money, then you cast Scarlett Joe. Right. Yeah. And the same point about like, okay, this is uh, in, the, in the distant future, right? This mm-hmm. story. It's the same argument that like, oh, they have to pick a Japanese person because it's set in Japan, sort of, in the future. But it's the same argument like, well, why can't a stormtrooper be black? <laughs> well, the name. Yeah. Okay, so like if she was the if she was major, you know, Chang Minji, like mm-hmm. my, my Korean, yeah. you know, then yeah. I'd be like 9.9 right. 9 out of 10. Like, right, right, right. Be... But this is, but then you got to take into account your settings. It's yeah. Very far into the future. Yeah. There are plenty of white girls that have Japanese names because yes. they're mixed heritage. And, and, and that's where we're going anyway. Right. But so like... I get that. And the, I've the, had... the ethical argument is very thin for it. And being that it can take any shape, especially since the anime in the 90s, even now. Yeah. So like the characters are pretty... Um, Besides their names, they're Just pretty ambiguous. Yeah, ambiguous, ethnically ambiguous, and that's on purpose. Right. So. I mean, that's I, the th- so I respect that. And okay, so I want to address the, like the thin argument that like everyone's emotional reaction, like the Asian reaction. Which I'm surprised, like it bleeds f- further past just the Asian community, which I appreciate. Mm. I think, I guess, the fact that this movie is being made now, even mm. though the narrative of it does allow for that mm-hmm. that ambiguity and that you know it doesn't have to be an Asian person, but I think it's just kind of telling of where we are now and the fact that I it seems like the response is kind of bad. The for response is bad. Like, and, I mean, you, you have the studios doubling down on their decision because of the reasons you you mentioned was mm-hmm. oh well it's you know. It's our interpretation of the fiction. You have the Japanese creator saying, oh, this is totally plausible in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's... We can divorce that from the fact that this, as a representation thing, is is a problem. And representation is 
a very Asian American issue. It's a very American issue, right? Wait, not Asian again? though. Well, I because because like, people in Japan don't care. I know about know? Japan, but even like so. Okay, see, like this, there's there's a there is a connection even between this issue and the passion behind it, mm-hmm. and like Get Out. Like right. talking about it being from a black person's perspective about mm-hmm. these specific, you know, like, know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's like that strong, but I'm saying I'm saying that it's representation on screen, like Asian American representation, taking this role from an Asian person is a very Asian American issue, specific yeah. to Asian American because America is a multicultural country, yes, mm-hmm. and and multiculturalism and diversity and inclusion is are like one of our top, you know, issues in entertainment in, in America, entertainment. yeah sways the demographic more than other countries. Yeah. Because we have we have to hold we hold our entertainment in such a high like regard. And right. the way we see the world is through media now. Right. Yeah. So And and people will argue like whether that's valid or not or whether that's right or not, whether that's like smart or not. Like, well why are we just take why are we putting so much pressure on entertainment? <laughs> entertainment should just be entertaining. Like why does it have to Yeah, that's you, another so yeah. that's a whole other ball of yeah. wax. We can but, talk about that. That's yeah. a good one. Actually. Yeah. I mean so I think that segues anything else you want to say about Ghost in the Show? Um I'm just saying like those are that's my gut reaction to it when I first saw and that's that's from my lens, from my work, the work that I've been doing with Collab mm-hmm. for eight years and having this discussion. Mm-hmm. It gets old and and I'm just curious, and it's it's nice to see the different reactions because I don't think the whole representation thing. I think this is the turning point where representation is becoming more of a mainstream conversation, where you don't only have to be Asian or Black or Latino to care about it. There mm. are people who are not they're they're coming from all different backgrounds, and they're just like, bro, like it could have been cool to like actually cast a Japanese mm-hmm. woman that could have actually added a lot to the film and it doesn't they, they don't have to be Japanese and they don't have to be Asian to have those thoughts mm-hmm. I think it's just an interesting conversation that's happening as a result of that mm-hmm. I own what I feel my own irritation I accept if other people don't feel it but mm-hmm. I don't feel like mine is invalid or mm-hmm. ridiculous because it is it's like 2017 that it was a great opportunity mm-hmm. um, more obvious of an opportunity than say like Iron Fist or whatever like we, right. we talked about last week mm-hmm. um, anyways that's just my take all right um, i think that i mean we have a similar topic in my topic which is the new casting news for crazy rich asians they yeah. casted um guy's name i just saw it yesterday yeah let me look that up real quick he's super fine like <laughs> so hot i was like your face just went dreamy like, yeah dude like He's so fine. He is. He's fine. Have you seen? Did you see the picture of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched the. Mm-hmm. I watched the interview of him. He's swipe got right. that accident. Swipe right. Swipe right. Swipe right all day. Mm-hmm. But he, he, I hear he doesn't. This is his first feature ever. Yeah. No. John M. Chu. I met him actually, and we we him and his roommate Chris Scott for the moment, and then uh, so we kind of talked about it, and I talked about it with Chris, and it's amazing that he put that video out there for the casting. Because it wasn't a publicity stunt like many people think. Because I mean, in the in the 2017, those things are just what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but he legitly was looking for talent that's just not in Hollywood because or undiscovered because I think he tried to cast true to form yeah. what this movie calls for, mm-hmm. and I think this pickup was yeah made it authentic. Like, so his legit. name is Henry Golding. He is half British, half Malaysian. Yeah, he his is. name sounds super British. Um, Henry Golding. Yeah. So I want to bring this up because there's already a little bit of backlash over how hmm. oh they cast a half white dude and how he's not like Asian American and all this fuss being made like oh all Asian cast. Whereas this is where I think 
um, what you were saying about Ghost in the Shell mm. um, can apply because the, the the script and the story calls for a Singaporean guy, right? And, and Malaysia is just across the bridge from Singapore. Yes. Like you can you can plausibly see a Malaysian dude as a Singaporean dude. Before we you know. get into that, can we just say recognize a win when you see one? <laughs> like, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I have more you. on that. Like, no, no. Right. because like, here's the thing about this community and any community really when they're trying to support a cause, right? If there's a win, we need to get behind that win and celebrate it together mm-hmm. to move it forward. Because if it's a win and there's a lot of hate, then that's not a win. You just cost us a win. Yeah. You know what I mean? You so just gave it back. You gave it back. <laughs> because it's like, if we can't get it together ourselves, then who cares? No one else is going to care. Yeah, I right. think... So here's the difference for me between this and Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Ghost in the Shell is science fiction. It's speculative. Mm-hmm. So casting is more fluid in that in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can make the um, justifications for whatever your decisions are, right. being that it's, it's fiction. Right. Whereas, you know, Crazy Rich Asians is... Takes place in the real world. Mm-hmm. Takes place in the modern world where... Um, there is such a thing as you know old money Chinese families mm-hmm. in Singapore, right? Um, and like you said, though, this casting is actually true to like I feel like it's true to form because this is a guy who would actually be that character, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, who could be that character um, because you know Singaporean fine. rich dudes they can very well be educated in the, in the British system or in so what in is, so, so what is the what a, is yeah, so yeah do you have a problem with Henry are you raising the question or are you pointing out a I don't have no wait what, you're comparing it to Ghost in the Shell so how are you saying that it do you have a problem when British actors do American stories I don't have a problem with any of this like, I don't you know have where, such a problem Marvin <laughs> I don't know no, no, why, no, because, why I'm yeah. sorry me I'm just asking because you're yeah. like pose, you're like me and Minji are getting the impression that you're raising the issue about casting a Malaysian for yeah, Singapore. so I was like, so it sounded like I'm not, which, no. I'm saying it totally <laughs> makes sense. I'm, I'm, saying, yeah. I'm saying it totally yeah. makes sense. Okay, okay, yeah. I, good. I'm saying it. I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying well, that. Good. I'm just like yeah, I was yeah. wondering. Sorry, but yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my thing with the the British thing, I want to talk about that because as an actor, I get kind of like there there have been moments for like American movies where I'm like, these are all Brits playing them, yeah. and it's funny because. They still do a good job. Yeah. It's like they they do their job, and so I empirically like just like it. And if if this guy is not, you know, American, but he plays it well, and, oh, there are and, issues and, with and, like Get and, Out too. Like well, I keep bringing up that movie because I love it. I'm also saying that the character was never an American. Yeah, so that's irrelevant. I'm just right. well, like he the fact that he's uh, like half white. Mm-hmm. And he's not full Asian. Like, there's all these different things that we can nitpick. Wait, did, are people having problems with that? Yeah, there's some people. That's what I'm saying. Like they're not going behind the wind. So here's right? what I they're think is happening is I think some like, some many people are picking it up because oh, Asian people are up like they they don't like this, so we're going to report on it to get clicks. It sounds a lot like yeah. For clicks. I think I, I think that, yeah. most people are excited about it, and I think we're just living in a time where like they're, they're going to find something so that they get people to read their shit. Huh. Okay. Like, sure there's th- an uproar about blah blah blah, and so, like there's no. I'm uproar. sure there are there's, people, like one tweet that's yeah. like, Any okay. guy, why can't they do a full Asian guy? <laughs> yeah. So who knows the the the, Actual, the depth of that? Yeah, yeah. concern. Yeah. I'm not like I can't I'm, really see that. He's a dreamboat, yeah. and I'm really excited. Dude. Like Ryan's still swooning. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish I could look like that, <laughs> dude. But yeah, then so, you wouldn't have the beard. I mean, I just imagine how good he would look with the beard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the next thing. That's the next frontier. <laughs> so what's on your mind, Ryan? 
I don't know, like, I stay on top of Asian American news, but I try to keep that to a minimum for me. Because you can get all wrapped up in it. And then also, I don't know that. Well, it doesn't with, have to be. Asian yeah. Asian okay. Yeah, it can, just it can be, be whatever. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, th- I think. Oh, because like, okay, so <laughs> I purposely didn't prep for this because I wanted the conversation to be natural. I just wanted to say what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing I brought up to Minji earlier, um, everyone remembers, well, everyone that might listen to this podcast probably remembers the Steve Harvey incident. And one, yes, I, do. I don't <laughs> care about that. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing because I think in the last maybe five years or so, things started popping up like BuzzFeed will have a sexy Asian men. You think they're not hot? Here's a list of photos that are like Kelman Klein models, you know what I mean? That are all <laughs> yeah, Asian. Just like, man, that's great. <laughs> and then and then they've been doing that. And then with the Steve Harvey instant, that's been coming up more because it's a click. It's a click, you know what I mean? Because yeah. now you can reference a thing, you know. It's a. It's become a... Not really a rallying cry, but a known trope now. Like you have, you have the whitewashing, the yellow face, and now Asian guys are sexy. Those are like yeah. concrete. I guess they well, become they become memeified, points. right? They become yeah. like memes. Yeah, 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 social memes. That's true. That that, right? that does make sense for me. It's interesting because I understand the kind of road that is. Like you're trying to say that Asian men are full-bodied humans, like. There are effeminate men, and then there are very manly men. There's alphas and betas, and then you know they're complete human beings. Mm-hmm. But I think to put the title that yes, we're sexy too is <laughs> not the. It's just adding another thing and a funny thing because yes, okay, okay to be sexy is to be desired. Yeah. So that is the internal psychological thing that you're going for. Yeah, but desirable. But if you just look at like your neighbor. Asian females are title sexy and it's held them back for years. So it's just kind of like this is, this feels more like a lateral move for me ah. <laughs> and not so much a forward movement. Right. You know what I mean? We're just we're just kind of like it's I don't know, that's just something I'm thinking yeah, about. Because when you just focus on the sexiness, you end up doing what they've been doing to Asian females saying objectify us, right? Yeah. Objectify us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the the deeper okay, so like when you kind of go to the primal like level yeah, okay. psychology of hum- of the species, right? Mm-hmm. Every every race, ethnicity, in every just a human wants to be desired and wanted, and you know, yes. attract you know attractive in whatever. Way, and the way we define that by culture and but you know, mm-hmm. in in K-pop right now, like I had this discussion with a friend, like I can't, I don't look at K-pop guys from like in K-pop groups, and I'm have no physical. <laughs> attraction to them they're really pretty they are very pretty they you do, want your 90s like more like they do makeup better than me and it's fine but like in that in that niche demographic like mm-hmm. they think they're sexy as hell and like they would be all over that me personally no so i feel like the definitions of attractiveness vary greatly too mm-hmm. we're allowing for that but i think it's the way that it's phrased that is still problematic of like we're sexy too like we always were but we do how do we get that validation in order for us to see ourselves as sexy i don't know it's like a deeper i get the whole deeper psychological need and Mm -hmm. desire to be desired but like where's the validation coming from and the fact that my friend was also arguing that these buzzfeed things are only of usually hetero you know Mm -hmm. guys who look specifically like the western definition of sexy yeah like okay so then 
we have these guys and they fulfill your criteria of sexiness. So mm-hmm. we are sexy. T- yeah. Anyway. Well, that makes sense because, okay, so, I mean, people in Taiwan don't care. Mm-hmm. It's Americans, Asian right. Americans. And because, for example, I was born in Taiwan, but I moved here when I was eight. So my definitions of attractiveness and, you know, that is shaped by Western media. Mm-hmm. So even a, a girl, like, my sensibilities of what is attractive is very Western. So for these lists to get made, I don't think it's less than to appeal to a Western culture. It's just appealing to what you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for example, if I had to make a list of sexy Asian women, my list would appeal more to Asian Americans than Asians. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's it's a weird it's a weird thing if because you I do that understand. List to Asia they'd be like, "Nah." Not so much. <laughs> but at the you same I mean? time, like you said, Western media does permeate global culture. It's US media permeates global culture, yeah, right? And I was listening to a podcast talking about unconscious bias. Mm. And if you close your eyes, you think, you know, if you think sexy guy or muscle guy or scientist or something, like different things, you the first thing you see is an image probably perpetuated in your mind by cultural by by culture by media right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um like in the podcast there was a woman a literal woman scientist who the first thing she thought of when she thought about scientists was albert einstein or a dude in the, in the white lab coat yeah. not a woman herself not herself she's a scientist oh, yeah. right it's your culture um so yeah. there's there's still that too and on the other hand it, it is you know different cultures do value different things like um it's very funny there's this dating show from china um where dudes come up and they get judged by a panel of women. And always the guy, the guys who are buff, like who are fit, their first impression is, oh, this guy's a meathead. He's dumb. Yeah. And that's just because like in, in Eastern media, you know, if you watch drama or something, the buff guy's always the, do- the, the doofus, stupid the dumb guy. guy yeah. Right? Which is so common. Even, <laughs> even in Western media, like they're not portrayed as like hyper intelligent. They're, mm-hmm. they're portrayed as like really strong. And charismatic or like get girls or whatever. But that element, I think that's still an evolving thing globally. But yeah, especially in Asian media, like they associate that's that. That's true. Like, I'm recalling Master of None, the, the, the scene with exactly. Gerard Lobo just doing push-ups while the other two actors are talking. He's doing burpees in the background. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> I'm going to just type everyone. It's no, it's totally true. Yeah. What? I mean, and then this, this goes into like the topic of like, okay, so what is the media's role and then what is the media's responsibility because Warner Brothers never signed up to educate the public Warner right. Brothers signed up to make money yeah entertain and yeah. make and it's, money and, and, it's, and it's sort of like you know how I've always thought this was funny you know how professional athletes like once they get to a certain amount of fame they have these like now part of their job is to be a role model mm-hmm. and if you know professional athletes Many are not cut out for that job, <laughs> just and not and not to their fault, but their upbringing and their education and what they put their focus on in their life isn't for that. It's that's, for, that's, yeah. so they, they have, it's to be good at what they're doing, right? Which so, is an athlete, yeah. But then it's sort of a, a written rule: you don't want to be a good role model, then you're not going to get your deal with Nike, right? You know what I mean? So it's sort of this like. So here's the thing: like you can get in the NBA or NFL or that's the only two things I watch. So <laughs> those are the two. So like if you get to a certain point, you have a ceiling unless you're going to be the villain or the hero. So the villain makes a lot of money too and they get deals. So does the hero. 
So you got to play these roles. But then now, because now, because you, after unless you, you want to be the good guy, well, that's like the hero, Colin right? Kaepernick, and get frozen out. Oh, oh, that's is he the good guy? That well, he had a mixed. That's a that's a different. Yeah, that's that, that's an activist. I think that's different. <laughs> yeah, but that's I'm just saying, hero, yeah, because yeah, it's a PR move. Mm. It's you get with together with your agent, and your manager, and your sponsors, and you're like, okay, like I want to sign with Kellogg's. Well, if you're gonna be signed with Kellogg's, then you better shave and smile and get rid of those tattoos. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's these things. So, work on your thumbs up. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> and smiling thumbs. So, um, so here's the thing with like Warner Brothers because no one charged. Everyone charges them with the responsibility of educating the crowd because that's just what it is. But they don't have to, and they're really not. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But they have their PR departments that have to kind of like do that. So the question really is. Is it their responsibility, or is it our responsibility to not to sh- to sh- change the path to not be educated by entertainment, but only to be entertained by entertainment? You know what right. I mean? It's like and that's a way larger question, a way right. larger movement. But I don't think. Well, okay. I mean, being educated is one thing, but we know we know like- that media influences our mm-hmm. perception of the world. Yeah. Right. We see the world through the media we consume, whether that's stuff we read mm-hmm. or things we watch. Right. Right. So whether or not their goal is to educate, that's what they're doing unconsciously, but right. that's what they're doing. So I think that's where the representation thing comes in. Well, I just think that in general, not even representation, but like how they're going to shape a topic. So like if they're going to talk about racism or if they're like even or love or sex or date or whatever it is or family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the metrics now are their their education. back. It's a feedback loop that is much more mm-hmm, real time mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. responsive that yes. is going to whether they like it or not going to educate their next step because right. they're like, oh, shit, we did. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a bad move. Mm-hmm. It resulted in X, Y, Z. Um, result in the box office, whatever, the yeah. viewership, and, and all That's the PR. That's their feedback. That's right. their feedback. If, if we're right. talking for Warner Brothers, it's only going to make a difference if this movie flops. Yes. Right. Which... I mean, critically, it's not good, but that's, that's, yeah. that doesn't mean it's going to flop. It can be a shitty movie and still make tons of money. But that's then the, the, that's where the democratic medium, like the demo- democracy of like all of the consumers who watch it and have their own critiques and voice it. You never know what's going to go viral. You don't know what's like mm-hmm. people can write their blog posts and it could hit a nerve and then get spread like wildfire. That's mm-hmm. the world that they're living in now and that mm-hmm. they have to like just navigate yeah. because say that. Maybe box office it does really, really well, but then there's like a couple articles that really hit a nerve of like why it's problematic or why it's shitty or doesn't do... And it spreads. Right. And it doesn't do the original anime justice or like whatever mm-hmm. or like critiques AI. That could destroy it single-handedly. Yeah. It's an th- interesting time. I think Facebook, Facebook inadvertently, or Twitter, not so much, but mostly Facebook, became the checks and balance for the entertainment industry. Because Marvin's right. It, they only change course when it hits them in the wallet right yeah and how does it change course well if you have a bad rep people don't watch it or if a bad pr that ruins it um puts the name of the company in the shadow in the dark so it's just more like you gotta know your power so everyone watching this for asian americans (laughs) you gotta know your power like where you where you where you have where you have ammunition against these huge companies and we do you do it does work all right. Well, that'll do it for this roundtable segment. Um, Was that an intense roundtable? No, we got a lot um, of good stuff. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk more with Ryan about yeah. Ryan. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. 
Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Collabcast. The Collabcast is a part of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment, discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the API community. Find out more about Collaboration by going to the website www.collaboration.org, where you can also find their other content offerings, such as blog articles, videos, and podcasts like this one. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is Collaboration, and that's Collaboration spelled with a K. It's the last day of March, and we wanted to give a quick plug to a campaign that's been running all month. If you're enjoying the Collabcast and want to share with your friends and anybody else who might be interested, um, please give us a quick shout out on Twitter and social media with the hashtag Tripod. Um, you can also do so with any other podcast you enjoy. It's just a way for podcasters to engage our podcast listeners uh, and spread the word. As we found out the way most people learn about our podcast is through word of mouth, and we just wanted to... Uh, give you a reason to shout it out so that's hashtag tripod uh, you don't have to recommend the collabcast but if you do it would be greatly appreciated speaking of recommending podcasts the collabcast is also a part of potluck a podcast collective made up of asian american podcasts and podcasters featuring unique stories and voices from the asian american community find out more about all the great podcasts in the collective by going to the website podcastpotluck.com Every week, I like to highlight a fellow podcast from the collective. And this week, I wanted to give a shout out to the newest member of the Potluck Collective. They Call Us Bruce. Uh, they Call Us Bruce is a podcast hosted by Phil Yu of Angry Asian Men fame and Jeff Yang, a veteran journalist who's been covering Asian American pop culture for as long as I can remember, as well as the father of Hudson Yang, who plays Eddie Huang on the hit series Fresh Off the Boat. Both men are former Collabcast guests, and they've gotten together to pool their many years of experience and perspective to have an unfiltered conversation in what's happening in Asian America. They have two episodes up so far, including a seed episode, episode zero. So after you're done with us, um, head on over to podcastpotluck.com and check out They Call Us Bruce or one of the other amazing programs in the Potluck Podcast Collective. And on that note, that'll do it for this break. Thanks again for listening, and let's get you back to the show. And welcome back to the Collabcast. This is episode 113. Uh, we are here with our guest, Ryan Fang. Yeah, we are. And Ryan's beard. And Ryan's beard. <laughs> Ryan's beard and Ryan. Your bio was like amazing to read out loud, by the way. I l- we don't have to get into that. That was a mistake. <laughs> he didn't know that I was going to read it out loud. So I also didn't know very... that you were supposed to just do like a one-liner. I just sent... I just sent no, um, people had extensive ones, but it was like... I told Andy, who is our manager, that... Here, here's my full bio, and they can just take out whatever they feel like saying. And then Minji read the whole thing. The thing is like an essay. <laughs> but it was more like a sonnet. To it was an beard, essay in third person, which, was, which was pretty amazing. Essay in third person. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, we're going to talk this segment uh, more in depth about Ryan, his life, his creative journey, and everything Minji wants to learn about Ryan. <laughs> all of us. We all want to learn these things. But it was just cool because one of the things I learned about Ryan was that he was part of our collaboration, like our early days, mm-hmm. back when we were like barely on YouTube because it had barely just begun. Mm-hmm. So you were part of the early shows and yeah. like Christine and him were chatting when, before you got here. So mm-hmm. it was really cool. And I kind of want, like that's before I joined collaboration. So I'm wow. curious as to like what that was like unless you don't want to talk about it. No, we can talk about it. <laughs> I think that was 2008. The early 2008. So, I mean, I don't know what much And you're say. part of a bunch of dance crews, you were saying? I mean, at that point, I had cut down my dance crew count from like four <laughs> to one. Jeez. 
Yeah, it's a lot. How it, do you be in four dance crews? I'm basically like rehearsing. Because this is what it sounds like. Live long I wake day. up at seven thirty, eight usually to get to my job at eight thirty. I would work until six God, or five or six, guy. and then and then I would rehearse almost every night. And then on my weekends, it's either a workshop or a show or some kind of thing. So my whole life was just revolved around dancing or rehearsals and workshops. Jeez, work. mm-hmm. Louise. When that, did you start life. dancing? When I was 19. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's been like over a decade. A little over th- 13 years, I think now. Damn. I try not to count. Yeah, anymore. like we don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. Know. After a certain point, you're like, stop counting. Yeah. After ten. <laughs> after ten, it was like, good. It's been I'm a good long to go. time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Nineteen's <laughs> pretty. Like I feel like most people I know start dancing way earlier than that. Right? Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. kind of like a, a late adopter. I'm a I'm a late arrival for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's but it's different. Stuck. Well, it's different because in 2000, guys dancing that's not studio based. That's like, true. And yeah. that's not a b boy. Ah. Yeah. Is rare. Was wow. rare, very rare, and like for example, so like so a that little, way you're an early adopter, kind of because okay, so in my high school, right, Cerritos High School, <laughs> um, they there's a story about this guy who's a great dancer. He like was in um, band and he did uh, the rifle, right, okay. and he tried out for our dance drill team, who was number two in the nation at the point, and they didn't take him because they it just. I mean, I forgot the real reason was this is sort of gossip, uh-huh. but it was like they can't, they won't take a guy, mm. and it could be many reasons because it could mess up the look of what they have now because it's right. this white guy and a bunch of Asian girls, like I mean, a black guy, a tall black guy and a bunch of Asian girls, and that's just like how do you make that? Because in high that school drill, amazing. well, in high school drills about military precision, mm. everything looks uniform. It's not it's not so artistic as it is competition. Right. So I understand that, but at the time, there was no guy dancers, no guy hip hop program. And I always thought dancing was cool. And then my senior year, there was like this like big spectacle show. And then China Island All Male came to perform. And I was like, that's tight. <laughs> I want to do that. And I, I mean, I, I, it was more like a look from afar at that point. I didn't know it was an option until I went to college. So That's, true. that's yeah. also when most people start dancing too. Yeah, yeah. College, so college dance crews. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, where like... That's where but half the teams like, from ABDC came from. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like sure. that was also like a very cultural, like a new wave of, because mm-hmm. I feel like if you look maybe in like past generations prior to the late 2000s, like it probably wasn't as even prominent then. There was like this sudden. There was a, there was a really big sudden, college scene, as, at least in Southern California, I feel like. There's always really, been, yeah. yeah. I feel Southern like California is, is, the, is the pioneering um, With community like dance and team. fusion yeah. and all those shows. And it's, know. okay, so like just a little history about it so love history um it started out with cultural clubs mm-hmm. Cabo modern was Cabo Bayan, cdc the team i'm on was chinese association and pac modern and tm this is before like the professional teams it came out of that and then being who we were we all wanted to compete and perform and the first vibe it was a fundraiser for the fraternity it wasn't mm. meant, it wasn't oh. supposed to be it's not for the dance it's just an event they saw an opportunity which is fine. Now it's bought over by one of the dancers that was on CNDC, but was also LTD, which is the fraternity. He bought it. So it came out of a thing where Asian Americans in these cultural clubs and colleges wanted to dance. They wanted a place to share and compete. So it created this scene. And then it got really competitive because people got really good. 
And then as dancing became more popular, teams that weren't part of these colleges made their own teams to be at these events. Yeah, so, they're like, I want to be And it. it became, and I, after, I didn't know this until I started traveling, that everywhere looked to, a lot of Asian Americans looked to that scene as like a source of education and inspiration to do what they're doing in their own communities. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bec- and, it, and I think as a side note, it was because as Asian Americans, there's no other place for it. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? that was the big thing. Because I went to UCSD, so we had fusion, and some oh, of my yeah. friends were were organizers of that. Yeah. And it was just, it was just quite kind of awesome to see, like these crews were like mostly Asian Americans, mm-hmm. like. And you were in CAD, so I probably I mm-hmm. probably saw you, you guys come down. Yeah, yeah, I competed in fusion three, three times. Yeah, and then performed in it like five times. And you were like on four teams. Yeah. I mean, throughout different periods. Okay. At the time it. that I quit, um, I was doing one, two, four. Yes, yeah, four, four teams. Around, yeah, it sounds exhausting. But if you love something, it's awesome. It's a ridiculous and stupid. If I had to explain to you like the <laughs> kind of hours and what I did in those hours, it just doesn't make sense. But that says so much about that's what we've we've talked about with so many different types of creatives, like with writers or actors or singers or whatever. It's a very natural overflow of it's just like what you do because yeah. why wouldn't you? And then the back it might it might not make sense, but that's not the point. It's like it's a very it's a very it's not um well with me at least. Back then, it was never about the big picture. It was just about this next thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, you just get ready for the next show. I wanted to win this next show, so I'm preparing. And it just, one after the other, it doesn't stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just very, like it's that. a very, like, short-sighted goal-oriented That reminds thing. me of, like, because I, <laughs> I was in marching band in high school, so like, we did field shows. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the same thing. It was just like, we're just, um, like, football games weren't, like, we didn't go there to support the team. That was practice for a competition, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? There they are. Did you win? I don't know. <laughs> Halftime and showtime. Yeah. Yeah. It takes the prep though. And I, I love that story because every every creative goes about it differently where there's like people who and myself included, like what what do you do you think of the long game or the short game? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is the short game, like just thinking of that the exact next thing and not nothing else mm-hmm. that takes you where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. People believe that. And then other people are like, No, you have to visualize twenty years ahead and what are you gonna be and who you can you know. Yeah. That's kind of more my style. Mm-hmm. Um which I've been kind of trained to do recently because they're like, you have to dream big and you have to like yeah. not only think of the next s- short film, you got to think of like, well, imagine that the, I keep there's saying a, the $12 million a film. I film. feel like there's a balance because if, you, if you're if you too big picture, then you run into like analysis paralysis, right? You run into, well, I have to wait till the um, forecast is perfect because mm-hmm. if this doesn't do well, it affects my next step, my next yeah, step, yeah, my yeah. next step. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Um, what we've seen in practice is like whatever the next step is, do your next, do your first step, and that and the next step changes. It changes. Yeah. Right. So it's you, you got to have that Smith plan. Thing. Have you heard the brick wall thing? Yeah. Sorry. The brick laying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think with, I mean, I offer strategic planning and having a goal in mind and things like that. For me, if I was to think about um, creating and art and expressing, I think. The problem I run into when I think too big picture when working on a singular project is that this project stops being about this project. This uh. project is a step in a larger goal, uh. and which is fine, except when you're in the creation mode, when you're trying to be, you don't give everything to this one thing because you because see it as big. a part. And it, it doesn't, you don't give it your all. 
instinctively, I think. Yeah. Because it's like, I need to finish this step to get to the next step versus this has to be the greatest this that I've ever made. Because you're not focused. <laughs> you're not focused yeah. on it. The, yeah. the, your, your priorities are different. It's like kind of diluted, I guess. Yeah, I think a little bit. You know, um, that's the difference between, and I'm seeing this like parallel, not parallel, but like with what we've talked, what we've seen with artists is sometimes like you have people like me, a jack of all trades, probably a better word for that, who, who's who kind of dabbles. Multi talented. Multi talented, like who dabbles on both sides. Like I, I dabble both in like the administrative business side and also the creative side, you know, with things like podcasts and digital media. But I'm always, you know, I'm always thinking about those two things. Whereas you have some people who just focus on the art and have people worry about the, the, those things for them. That's why you have managers, agents, people who take That's care a privilege, of by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Having that is a privilege. It's yeah. not a thing that you need. Right. But a lot yeah. of people will view it as a necessity. It is. For, as far as um, help, having managers and agents, they will propel you for sure. Having the right people around you because it takes a village. Yeah. Any, anyone's career takes a village. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is it's not... Um, you have to earn that. Like you're not you. you okay, hilarious thing. So <laughs> yes. Steve, so I'm Steve, laughing. so Steve Martin um, is part of that masterclass program online. Have you, have you yeah, seen yeah, it? Yeah, right? yeah. And did you guys see his little bit about I it? I didn't see his bit. Okay, I've seen he, the parodies of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> his commercial for himself was it's like I always think it's funny, or I hate the people that when you walk into class and they're asking, "Where do I get my headshot? Like, what's the best way to get a headshot? How do I do this?" I was like, "Shouldn't your first question be?" How do I get good? <laughs> and that's and that's what uh, when I ask people like, how do you audition for? LA? I was like, well, you're asking the wrong questions already. Like you gotta focus on your thing, and then you earn the. When people are asking you for your headshot, then you gotta get headshots. You don't need to have headshots in your pocket when you go to class. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just kind of like one of those things, like you know, that's one foot true. one foot before the other. Right, 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 right. That's and not the, the way I would just say it, but. Yeah. But and I think that's an interesting thing for like the acting side specifically when it comes to like classes and headshots mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, which is why I I love having different creatives on our podcast to talk about their process mm-hmm. or what they prioritize because it's very different by genre and discipline oh, sure. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's still just like a very obscure thing. Like I didn't know anything about acting going into it. I I kind of understood you needed to get photos taken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, if these are if these are tracks that we like, you guys have tr- blazed all these trails with dance and like having a studio and then being a multi hyphen and doing other projects. Like people don't know the first thing about how do you even do that? Yeah. Like how'd you get good at what you first did first mm-hmm. of all, and then how'd you branch off from there? Like that story is fascinating. Which is why my next question is like, how did Quest Crew come about? Mm. Oh, is Marm, did you have something? I was gonna move on past that, but okay, we can talk about that. I, I'm really curious, like how did so how did like going from the collegiate scene, mm-hmm. um, and obviously like doing all these things with like fusion and and vibe and all that stuff. How did that lead to Quest? Like, okay, so the thing about Quest is we come from very 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 different tracks. I, me, and Brian Hirano, we've been dancing together since 2001. He was on CDC with me, and so we came to the choreography competition team of 30 crowd. Steve Tirada came from the tricking world, which he is like an icon. Um, Dietrich came from the b-boying world, the battle scene. Hawk was just all over the place. Ryan and Ares <laughs> came from like the local LA like underground b-boy scene, right? So they all came to the community around, I say, two thousand five, I think, because Devin created Six Step and invited these people to be in it. And so, even though they were in the community, they didn't do choreography much. They were b-boys, right? And so. 
me and Hirano and them together, they, we, no, that's not the wrong way to do it. So Quest created because Ryan, Hawk, and a couple of people were unhappy where they were, and they started Quest Crew, and they were, how do we be good? Ryan did Dink and Dance, then Hawk, and Dietrichs. And then we had the opportunity to do ABDC because the producer for So You Think told them about it. Because oh, he was cool. going to ABD. Like, that's how we knew about the auditions and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then so it was a combined force of all of us together wanting this new thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like when I started in 2001, I'd be like, okay, 10 years from now, what's going to happen is I'm going to get this, <laughs> this group of people, right? I'm going to win these TV shows and then I'm going to have a career. We're going like, to get an Emmy. Like things, yeah, that. <laughs> things don't work that way in the real world. Not in art, at least. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it's... That's why I like the visualization. It's good because you need like a direction. But the direction to me is more of a feeling yeah. than an actual business plan. Right. Yeah. You because know, so. you don't know the finite destination and who no, knows how there's it's no going to yeah. change and evolve by the time you get there. Yeah. Opportunities come in different shapes and sizes. That's uh, so you never cool. Know. Yeah. You yeah. do collaboration first and then you move on to MTV. Yeah. We did that that year. Yeah. The year before, I think. Yeah. The year before ABC was collaboration? I think so. I mean, okay, I rem- it was very close, okay. close in time. I remember that. Because I, awesome. I got on Quest, my first full show was Collaboration. That was the, the first show that I put my influence on with everyone else. You know what I mean? That was mm. part of that. And then from there, and then I remember doing a couple other things, and then ABDC. Which one was, was that? that the one with the, the HOT segment? Yeah. yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I watched that video. That was yeah. your first one? That was I, my first real show. show. Because I've done shows before with them, but that yeah. was like the first one I was like helping out and doing, like putting everyone. Yeah, I was a full member, kind of. I love yeah. this story. Because mm-hmm. here's the, my thing with like collab, why I, I joined back in, I joined back in 2009 mm-hmm. and in the Bay and mm-hmm. like I helped start that chapter. But what I saw through like, and we, again, YouTube wasn't still not a big thing, mm-hmm. but we'd like share actual videos. They like email yeah. me files and shit. Yeah. And they're like, you got to look at this. But it was so cool to know that everyone's starting point that we could share that, like mm-hmm. this, sta- that this symbolically, this stage could be a place where, like, we just yeah. like go full force, mm-hmm. put it out there. We don't know where it's gonna go, yeah. but maybe like this performance could change things, either internally, yeah. externally, whatever. Like mm-hmm. whoever's in the audience, but also just doing it. Yeah, that was like that concept was, and it took me years, like what three additional years for me to like get the courage to want to go after acting because mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do this since I was like five. Wow, because I was like movies i want to do that yeah. <laughs> but um what you kind of don't see is an opportunity or like a reality of like oh i could actually try that that took me a didn't while to real. catch up yeah, yeah it didn't feel real at all yeah but I then like, that's a step yeah. yeah your guys videos like well i like to point out that we've won america's best dance group twice we won an emmy but we lost at collaboration i think twice i know so. steve told me that i was like i'd like sorry. to point that out that much harder than you think guys <laughs> <laughs> well, like Run River North, they were like our, you know, they were at our South by Southwest showcase. They won, they lost twice. There are no losers <laughs> at collaboration. But see, that's the funny thing is that the competition. People have cri- criticized us of like why you call it collaboration and make it a competition. Well, it's because it's it's an entertaining factor. Mm-hmm. And we've taken the hard look at it too. Like, does does the competition still make sense in this day and age where you know bring dope people together to make cool things together is what we've always been about right you know so yeah hey just a note for everyone that's starting out and trying to compete and stuff right now um this is the real the goal isn't to win that's number two the goal is to get remembered yeah hey okay if you look at american idol you already know 
<laughs> if you look at any reality TV show, it's not who wins. Exactly. It's who gets remembered. And who has the dopest beard. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> I work on that. So. Which adds to the remembrance. Yeah. All right. So fast forwarding through winning ABDC twice, doing just blowing up in, in the dancing, being becoming celebrities, really. Um, just Fang, your, mm-hmm. your, your stuff. Like, how did you start? Um, have you always been interested in creating content? Like, um, well, okay. Well, first thing. How did you become a multi-hyphenate renaissance man, <laughs> okay. I guess, is yeah. the question. My, 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 first, my first note is that, like, you, you say celebrity, but if I was standing next to, like, Justin Bieber, no one know, would know who mm-hmm. I am. So, celebrity, it's, it's a word I don't really particularly like for my situation, but mm. that's just a side note. Okay, so, how did I become I wanna a multi I want to talk about that. See, that'd be, I want to talk about celebrity culture. Anyway, okay. but go. We, me and you can just get coffee. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so, I studied art in college and to say study art is to say that i barely went to class and spent all my time dancing um i did the bare minimum i really i I really did sorry mom and dad but um so things worked out yeah so what happened was because dancing opened up such a world to me that i was just like thrown into it right and i kind of studied art and i didn't get into photography till right after digital photography came out right as I was leaving college. Mm. And I had I had done the dark room, I had done the printing, and that is crazy, guys. <laughs> Just so you know, that, that process is ridiculous. So the world of Adobe Photoshop is, yeah. It, make, it makes filters for you possible. So, <laughs> and, and then so what happened was I've been a part of teams forever. I did sports in high school. In college, I was a dance team of 30. Then I did did some professional teams and even quest is as a team it's 10 people but it's still a group mm-hmm. and i only knew how to exist artistically within that for a really long time because that was my focus i'm a team person right and sometime during that time i felt the need to like do my own thing on the side and then i started to explore different things and i tried different mediums and just i didn't know if I was an artist at all or if I was someone that danced and mm-hmm. did teams and competed and was an empl- employee or a worker. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So it was just sort of like, and I'm still exploring that. That's a every day for me for a long time. So, right. So what, what's your own, what, what is your style? Is that the right word? Or yeah, your, I mean, your, your brand, your, your style. Yeah. yeah. And, and part of that, so as an artist to find yourself, you're really looking into who you are, right? And I st- I'm still looking for that. I've just found that the art of the medium of photography, video, and copy, like writing, are the ones that I can best express the things that I want to express. So that's how you become a multi-hyphenate is because you there's a bunch of different mediums and you find the one that suits your feelings and flavor you know yeah yeah and even acting is something new that i'm actually kind of doing because i feel like is that fun it is and it, it it's a different thing because okay so like i come my dad is an aerospace engineer my mom's a nurse so i'm pretty i brought i was brought up pretty rational mm-hmm. and intellectual <laughs> yeah and not so much feeling based yeah but with some forms of dancing and acting especially it's very very not physical yeah. it's not solid it's just a thing that you feel mm-hmm. and then it, and then like with dancing you have moves 
acting, you have moves too, but it's a lot freer than dancing. You're not hitting marks. You just gotta hone in on this thing, and it comes out the way it comes out. Yeah. So it's a very different type of expression for me because with writing, this editing and photos, it's an aesthetic that you capture and you refine. Whereas acting is different. Yeah. And I really enjoy that part because it's the opposite of my instinct to go. You know, so your current instinct, but now you're developing different instincts, different which instincts. come from your feelings. Yeah, but I, because I lean so heavily into one end that I'm starting to see that there's a gap. Yeah. And then when I did, uh, so um, I was asked to be in this short film called The Middleman by Jason. Oh, I don't remember his last name. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, uh, it was in like um, the. Oh man, I'm terrible right now. What's the 8th? The 8th? Um, we on the 8th. We on the 8th. So it was shown Jeez. there and it was in some like festivals and stuff. And I've never done acting. Besides, I've done commercial acting, which is very a very different thing. Yeah. But I did that and, it, and it, for the, I didn't know that I wasn't... I didn't know that there was a gap in my expression until I did that. Then I started to see, oh, there's this whole thing that I've not tapped into because I'm so leaned in on one side. Mm-hmm. So it just like made me... It's sort of like a jazz musician. musician. Like you got the moves, but you got to like feel it yeah <laughs> it's well it's funny that's what i was talking about with steven and ryan i one of the things that we talked about last was i was telling you how i took ballet class and like that like dancing and, and being coordinated etc is like a new world for me mm. because i'm more emotional and i'm more okay with that like figure like that world is more she's a freestyler mm-hmm. but and i feel okay with that but then when it comes to like very finite structure which is funny because i like i love memorizing lines like that's just that's just learning moves. Yeah, you got yeah. the you got the tool, and then you got to like. But then you like you, you throw it. your your your, your yeah. flair at it. Yeah. yeah, but then like dance to me is so crazy because it is so structured and so precise mm-hmm. that I'm like I need I I want I'm like you but just the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It's like I need to learn precision and I right. need to learn how to execute exactly what I want at the exact moment at the time mm-hmm. and the beat that I need. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I was like I need to take a dance class. Oh, that's, that's, that actually segues into my next point. Perfectly. Okay. So nicely done. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't Calling mean to see. Calling You're you're yeah. an expert podcaster. We're, we're going we're going moment to moment here. Yeah. This is an acting thing. Um, That's high level podcast move right there. <laughs> Got that technique. Um, so people always ask, how do you do different things, right? And the rule of thumb is you can't do anything well if you're doing a bunch of things at the same time, right? So what do you do? How do you do multiple things? Well, I feel like the the laws of the universe are, this is terrible. The laws of the universe are universal. So if you do one thing well, mm-hmm. same rule applies to everything that you do. Mm-hmm. You just change the terms, change the mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. So I largely everything that I'm doing is applied from the things I learned from dance. It might not show up, but how you think, how you approach, how you structure, how you do it, I take it from dance, which is why my stuff looks different than someone who studied a different thing. Right. That's just right. how I, you know, do it. So with the, the dancing, right? The moves are just the words you memorize. The the moves have nothing in them by itself. There's nothing to it. It's after you are comfortable with the moves because if you can speak as well as you can move, then it's the same thing. Hmm. Then it, because now now when you see freestyles that are really free and can move naturally, mm-hmm. they're not trying to say words. They're just being in the moment. Whereas right. if you see a dancer and they're good, but they're definitely doing moves, then yeah. they're not at that level of just being free. 
So, and it's the same thing with acting. When you watch an actor saying lines, they're just saying lines. Yes. But when you're an actor in the moment, you know. Yeah. So it's the, it's the exact same thing. That's how, how you are expert at acting. It's that same rule for dancing. It's true jazz. It's it true is jazz. true jazz. I'm like, <laughs> mind blown. I'm like, I I'm not going to go eyes. sign I up now. So that, <laughs> that word, oh, Ryan, but you did a, not just say that. But I felt, and yeah. But the, it goes back to the ballet thing, what I was telling you, because I have such admiration for dancers and like the, the, the amount of discipline and the mm-hmm. dedication, the hours to do all the choreography and like get mm-hmm. the muscle memory down. And I don't know. It's just outside my scope of reality. But I was learning in ballet. That's mm-hmm. why I think that was a good intro for me because it's so precise and so small. Mm-hmm. They're like literally tap your freaking toe frontwards and backwards. Do this like eight trillion times. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got this down. But it's very step by step, and it builds on mm-hmm. the the foundation. And I was like, I really like that. So maybe I was like jumping too far ahead, trying to. No, do- no, no. Ballet is the perfect place to start. Yeah. Because what ballet teaches you is understanding your body. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm really awkward, but okay, now I'm getting yeah. better. You know like, how to fire different much. muscles in your body that you wouldn't do regularly. That's what they're making athletes do ballet now, and it's, it's so cute. Oh, yeah. And they're making like defense alignment do kung fu too. Yeah. yeah. Handwork. All of that. We should add life coach or career coach to uh, Ryan's hyphenates, multi-hyphenates. Please do. I just like to talk. That's the problem. That's not a problem. <laughs> but it's it's totally true though. Like you know, you, you hear about people who switch careers, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're like overachievers early in life, doing the academic thing, going to, into law school, and then they switch to something artistic. But they're still applying those lessons they learn, like how they work hard, how yeah. to work hard in this new thing, in yeah. this new thing that they're doing, and. It totally works, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone, the best way to get good at something is just to to hustle, to do, to, to do. get good at it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Life lessons. Now and then we're gonna bring in Steve next time, and then he's gonna talk about all the same things from Steve's point of tricking view. Tricking background. <laughs> I would love view. to be here just to hear Steve talk about this. I don't even have to be on the podcast. I just want to. <laughs> oh, wait, I have a fourth mic. You can join in. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you can just call him out for like that's bullshit. And Hawkins, like <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know him as well, but like I chatted with him briefly yeah. um, last fall, and he's like, "All you guys are so awesome." I think it's so great that you guys have this um, really blended. Like you, you guys are clearly a group, but like all of you guys are so individual. We are really and really different, really unique. And <laughs> We're really so different. different from each other. Like, yeah. Here's a here's a beautiful thing about Quest is that we exist at a very high level with each other but it's very, very specific. Like how we are with everyone when we're a quest is different than we are individually with other people. I believe that. Interesting. It only works in us doing this thing together in its frame. Like it's, you know, it's really interesting how that works. But I kind of liken that to collaboration. Just because like everyone that I've worked with is mm-hmm. so, so different, mm-hmm. even though we all like people could you like kind of umbrella it like, oh, you guys are like the little Asian American crew that like <laughs> just like thinks, you know, but yeah. we all have our different reasons of why it matters to us, right. where, why we care to give our time and energy to it right. um, to produce shows and like mm-hmm. work with artists and like our taste, like Marvin, my taste is really different and like, mm-hmm. but we still commit mm-hmm. a lot of our lives to this and it's just such so different which is why it's funny when people portray it like oh the little social justice warriors or whatever i was like you have no idea these are these are really unique people very creative souls and from mm-hmm. really different places in life yeah and generationally even like mm-hmm. yeah I mean, young it, it, it helps that children. we're working in this creative field where we can kind of you know put on the put on the face of like you know this this really great mission and message but when it comes down to it like we're professionals like mm-hmm. we 
Or Toads Pro. Yeah. Toads. Toads Pro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I turned into Megan from Camp Hill. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so smart. <laughs> On that obnoxious note. Yeah, that'll... Any, any, any last questions for our guest? No, I mean, this is like... I don't know. I feel like there's way more... I think we've received more from Ryan than yeah, he, he wanna, got from us. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Just no, all saying, your all your sage advice. Oh, that and stuff. Yeah. No, it was really cool. I I've had so much fun. Like, and we ended up on um the set of Sweater Beats music video together. So oh, he was yeah. helping me out, and that was like really cool to see you in your element. Yeah. And then people think it's weird because they like see me running collab and me being an actor. Like my friend was also saying that it's like it's so weird. Like you're taking direction from people. Ah, because you run <laughs> shit. Well, like my events, yeah. yeah. Like I'm the one, like, hey, where's this and who's doing that and why isn't this happening? You know. And then this one, I'm like, yeah. what do I do next? You isn't know? it nice? Isn't it nice to not have to give direction? Yeah, sometimes it's really fun. Yeah, you know. And then I'm always learning. I'm like watching everybody do their thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, how does that work? And mm-hmm. like, there has to be that person just fixated on lights. And right. I get why, and it's just yeah. understanding that. Um, that's why I've always said collaboration and acting are for me a really good balance because mm-hmm. in one I get to play. A different role mm-hmm. be totally behind the scenes and mm-hmm. creatively committing some ways and that's what i was like saying to marvin like i'm so glad he got the podcast because it's his creative outlet of like he gets to it's be cool. talking instead of being the guy on the headphones backstage making sure we don't have everything fall apart it's my element it's <laughs> yes. where you live yes <laughs> yeah. yes i just like yelling at people that's all you don't yell at people doesn't mean he doesn't like it yeah this is true <laughs> very true um, and on that note, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Collabcast. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Ryan Fang, yeah. for joining us. Thanks for having me here. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, if people want to find more of your stuff, where can they go? So I have a thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called, well, they've been calling me Ryan all hour, but most people knows me knows me as Fang, F-E-N-G. And I have a, a website, justfang.com, J-U-S-T-F-E-N-G, that you can find all my stuff. I That's kind of like where my hub of content is right now. So. Yeah, so check it out. There's a lot of dope things on there. I mean, on Instagram. <laughs> We're Instagramming right now. Cool. Can you add me, Minji? Huh? Can you add me? Yes. Cool. Thanks. Um, as always, you can reach us um, by email if you have any feedback, questions, or fan mail. Fan mail <laughs> at podcast at collaboration dot org. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and wherever and wherever podcasts are found. And um, and also uh, if you can please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and it makes oh. us feel good. Yeah. Dude, this aesthetic though. I've been following you, but like it's I didn't look at the layout until I'm sorry, I'm just I like that Marvin was trying to close up shop. I know. Thanks again <laughs> to Run River North for use of their song twenty nine for our intro and outro this month. Um song coming next week for the month of April. And yeah, that'll do it. Thanks. Thank you guys. This is awesome. I wish you guys yeah. the best. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.